0: everyone here has a purpose and you know maybe that purpose is not one thing maybe you have a purpose with an umbrella and tons of things under it and that's okay you know or maybe you have one purpose that manifests itself differently in um, different avenues and i just want to encourage people like to go after that you know to have the confidence to do those
1: things especially if you're really being called to do them welcome to the genius women podcast I'm your host, Yulia Denisuk, an award-winning travel photographer and writer with work in some incredible publications like National Geographic, Afar Magazine, and more. And this year, you'll see my name in places like Condé Nast Traveler. I'm on a mission to help other women who want to grow their travel storytelling careers go after their dreams while feeling supported, worthy, and bold. If you're ready to ditch your fear and doubt to the side, step into your brilliance and take action on your dreams, you're in the right place. Let's go. Hi, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that Lindsay who is our guest on the show today, is based in Houston, and we're going to mention Houston a couple of times in the episode. Thankfully, Lindsay and her family are safe. You know, the situation that just happened in Houston and in the rest of Texas, we recorded this show before the horrendous events and the the storm and everything else that happened in Texas last week. So just know that Lindsay and her family are doing well in Houston. Thank you so much. And now let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm very excited to share with you an episode I recorded with Lindsay Gehry, a professor, scholar, multidisciplinary artivist, and social entrepreneur, whose mission is to educate, connect, and empower the African diaspora. I met Lindsay on a media trip to Houston last year. It was my first and last trip of 2020. And she inspired me so much with her approach to living out her life's purpose and her bravery to pursue her passions and not let anyone put her in a box. Lindsay talks about staying true to your purpose Finding time in our busy days to dedicate to what matters and to ask really important questions, and about her path to becoming a choreographer, educator, founder of a nonprofit, an artist, and an amazing, amazing human. I loved talking to Lindsay about her path, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you. I hope you'll join us. Before we get to today's episode, want to get your question answered on our show? Visit GeniusWomen.com question to submit yours, and we'll answer it in a dedicated episode at the end of this season. And remember, women is spelled as W-O-M-X-N. That's GeniusWomen.com question. Okay, let's dive in. Lindsay, my dear friend, Lindsay, I'm so excited to welcome you to our show. Finally, we were able to find the time that worked for both of us. I'm so happy to have you.
0: Thank you so much. I am too. It was was a little challenge getting everything together with the schedules, but I'm so glad we made it work. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Tell me, how are you doing? How are things in Houston?
0: Yes, I've been doing really well. Um, I actually don't have too many complaints. I've been in the house <laughs> and um, for almost a year now I'm with family and you know I'm around my friends and so things have been good. I've been having a lot of time to focus on my businesses and my art and all the projects I've been working on and you know I really don't have anything to complain about. I'm safe and it's been good. How about you?
1: Same. I've been in the house focused on my business and my art and surrounded by family. So really can't complain, right? It's been a difficult time for sure. I think mentally for a lot, you know, myself included with the travel industry and all that. But at the same time, I'm grateful that it could be much, much, much worse.
0: Yeah. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to traveling. I'm trying to figure out when I can get back out there safely. So we'll see.
1: I know. I, my last trip uh, was the Houston trip. That was the last time I set foot on a plane and or in a new place. So crazy.
0: Oh wow! This is full circle. It is
1: right. It is now we're talking a year later.
0: Right, because that was like the, that was in January of last year. Oh my gosh! Wow.
1: So well, I'm glad to hear you're doing well, and I can't wait to get into all the goodness uh, and all the amazing projects that you do. But I'd like to start where I always start these conversations, which is, tell me, what was Lindsay dreaming about as a child?
0: Wow, that's a beautiful question. It's, and, it, and it gives me chills to think about it because I remember I've always been into list making. Since I was a little girl, I used to love to plan, literally plan things out. My mom got me and my sister started off pretty early on like planners and calendars and things of that nature. And I used to love making lists. And I remember one list I made, I probably was like five or six, and I like listed out everything I wanted to do in my life. And I remember it was several pages long, and it was like, I'm going to open up a school, I'm going to be. A lawyer, I'm gonna um, be an artist. Like it was like all literally, and I'm like not making this up and I haven't thought about this in a long time. And I remember at the end of it, it said, if I'm still alive by a hundred, I'll become a nun. <laughs> I know, I don't know about that anymore. <laughs> I'm still manifesting in the year a hundred, but you know, it's just hilarious to think that I was dreaming big. I was really dreaming big and and I knew that. at at a young age, like before I was even in the double digits, that I could do whatever I wanted in life. And, you know, it was possible.
1: Amazing. Wow. I don't know if I've ever met anyone who did a list at like that young of an age. Oh, yeah. My mom would
0: get upset sometimes because I would, I would write the list over and over, you know, because I would like to add new things to them. And it's not like I was using a computer at that age. And we didn't even have a computer at home like in the early 90s. So, you know, I'm like rewriting the list when I have a new thing I want to add and balling up the other one, folding the other one. Yeah.
1: You were literally practicing a visualization, which is a subject I talk about a lot. You were literally practicing it as a child. Where did I get that from? I don't know, but I was doing it. Did you ever like take out your list uh, now as an adult and and look at it and see what came true and what didn't?
0: I don't have that one particular list. I I wonder, actually, you know what I probably do, maybe in storage or something like that, but I would love to take it out and see. So this is something I've been doing my whole life. So I have other lists, you know, like I look back just the other day, I was doing a lot of cleaning, like for the new year and just trying to get my space situated. And I remember doing a lot of this cleaning and running into lists from maybe about five or six years ago. And it's amazing that the things that I was writing down, the things that I was wanting to do have come to
1: be. Yeah. The power of that, right? The power. And it's so affirming. Absolutely. So what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Yeah. So I grew
0: up in Houston. I grew up in Third Ward where we met, maybe not even five minutes from where we met at Project Row Houses Um, that's actually where I'm at now. And so I grew up here and growing up was really instrumental for me being around different types of people. I grew up in a historically black community, but there are so many different types of black people here and different experiences that I saw really shaped who I am. You know, I would see a lot of professional black people. I would see black people from different cultures, different parts of the world, especially with like my parents, friends, a lot of their friends are from other countries as well. Like people who were, you know, maybe struggling and had issues financially and economically. And being able to see people in the middle really helped me to understand, like, a, have a better worldview and to understand, like, the realities of my people, which is what I have dedicated my my life to. And also, we did a lot of traveling growing up, so we went to different parts of the country, Pretty often, I think every summer we would take a trip. We would visit my family a lot in Louisiana. Um, I think my first trip abroad, I was about 10. And so we would take trips. And so that really helped me to understand the world around me and to make me really well-rounded. My parents literally put us in all the activities. Like people are always asking me today, literally, how do you do so many things? I'm like, okay, I don't think y'all get it. This is not something that I necessarily just started today although it's possible to still do it today like that. But I learned how to manage my time at a very young age because I was in all the activities, me and my sister. We were in Girl Scouts. We were really active in our church. You know, we were um, horseback riding. We played golf. We um, did dance lessons. We played sport. Like, literally, we had a, a schedule full, right? Plus homework, plus school. I was not only exposed to a lot of things at a young age, like different things that for my parents to see if I liked them or not, but I was able to explore and figure out what I was interested in but also learn how to manage
1: that time. We were busy kids. Do you have any time management uh, tips to to share with us?
0: Absolutely. I would say for time management cuz that's like a big thing people always ask me about. It's a skill. Like it's something that you you get better and better with over time. I would say like establishing routines that work for you is really important. So I like to be, you know, spontaneous and change things up. But I think if you have a structure, it really can help you. So, for example, I get up super early in the morning. That's like my secret that I don't usually tell people. But I get up at 3 a.m. every morning. And it's just what my body likes to do. So, some people like to stay up late. Some people like to get up early. I've always been an early bird. Like that's, I remember, like, when I was young and I used to go to slumber parties, I would always wake up with toothpaste on my face and, like, mustard. Because they they would... Tease me because I was like the first one to sleep. That's like a no no on summer parties, but that's always been my kind of routine. I I used to get up like maybe around four or five, and now three is the time I I use. It probably won't go earlier than that because I need my sleep, but I would definitely say, you know, find what works for you and work with that. So I get up early and I go to sleep early, and I try to. Maximize my time. And for me, it, it helps me to wake up early because everybody else is asleep. You know, especially if you live with other people. You know, most people are not up until maybe six or seven or later, and so you have all this time to yourself to think, to meditate, to reflect, and also to do things before the world really opens. And so that has really helped me. Now, like I said, for some other people, it may be later, and it can still have the same effect, depending on what your body likes to do but that that I think that's the key is figuring out what your body wants to do
1: yeah and I think you're really on to something there with the morning hours because I also think that there's something special with that morning time before the world is awake or at least your immediate surrounding is awake I have this thing that when I have an article due or coming up and and I need to write the the body of the article I I get up early Before my usual time, and I do my writer's hour in that time at like 5 a.m. or something. And that also helps me get into flow, actually, because my brain is not awake yet fully, you know. There's something about that sleepy state. There's
0: something about that where ideas really are bright during that time period, too. And I think people can really just try it, you know, and see. I don't suggest like not sleeping. I hear people say, just don't sleep. You don't need sleep. I'm like, no, no, no. You do need to sleep. I usually get about eight hours every night. And so you know, I would say definitely sleep and then try going to bed early and waking up early and see if that helps
1: you at all. So you had the list, you had uh, put a lot of different visions and wishes onto that list. I know you said being a nun at 100 was one of them, but with respect to your other ideas, I think you mentioned you wanted to open a school, you wanted to be a dancer. You did have an idea of who you wanted to be when you grew up. How did that unfold then? So you had this list, you were growing up in Houston and exposed to all the amazing different areas and what happened next how did you decide about going to school or how to like you know what to pursue in college and all of those important decisions
0: so for me you know like i said throughout my childhood this is from pre-k probably younger than that but i can't really remember beyond that but pre-k up until high school we were always involved in different activities and i was able to de- develop like leadership skills and just other skills Another interest throughout that time. I mean, pretty much anything you could think of, we probably did, except maybe ice skating. I think that's like the only thing, but like all the other things. And so, basically, when I got to college, I was thinking I wanted to do one thing and I didn't. So, I started off as a biology major because I went to a school for health professions and I quickly realized, hmm, don't like it. So, I changed my major my freshman year to history because that's something I've always actually had a very strong passion for. And my parents and my grandparents really tried to help me hone in on that. They, I think my first genealogy book I got was maybe at six. And I still have that book too. And I wrote down like all my family history and I've always, always, always had a strong passion for history and like for black history and for our family history and things like that. And so I was like, I love history, period. I'm going to change my major. I was actually still pre-dental when I changed my majors to history. And I was like, uh, so let's get rid of this dental thing. Because I don't want to do that. It's cool, but it's not for me. And in college, I was able to kind of build on those things and figure out, I think it's okay to change your major, figure out what you want to do, what you like and what you don't like, and just allow yourself the, the room to dream and to give your, yourself permission to do what you want. And I was thankful to have family members and people in my community to support those things. And I try to stifle that because I think that's what happens with a lot of people that are dreams. And ambitions are stifled in our creativity. And so I just said, you know what, like, I want to do this. And I thought I wanted to go to law school because I I was very interested in debate. I was on the debate team when I was younger. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do pre-law. And so actually in college, I was a history major in the end. This is in the end. I was a history major, a dance minor, a business minor, and I was in the pre-law program. So even then, I was literally saying, I don't have to choose. Not only do I not have to, I couldn't because I had learned so many things about myself. It's like, why do I have to choose? Why can't I do the things that I want to do? And I should be able to do those things. And that's what I did. And I graduated in four years with all those <laughs> those things, you know? Um, and so... That same thing really just has happened in my life on different levels. So when I finished college, you know, I started exploring more things. I was like a field organizer. I was dancing with a dance company here in Houston. I was doing a lot of different things, just kind of exploring more avenues, things I hadn't heard of, things that I was already doing and wanted to continue doing. And I decided to go to grad school when I was a political organizer. One of my many amazing mentors encouraged me to get a degree, a master's in policy. I was like, okay, I definitely want to do that. I did it. And then while I was in the process of getting into that program, I was like, you know, I want to do history, too, because I love history. Why not do both? So I actually got two two master's degrees at the same time. (laughs) I had to do both. I knew that if I didn't do the other one, I was going to regret it and I wasn't going to be fully fulfilled. You know, so that has been a theme in my life, just doing all the things that I want to
1: do, because why not? I love this uh, about you, Lindsay, and I think at least for me, like when when we first met, for our listeners, Lindsay was doing an amazing dance performance when we first met. That's how I met uh, Lindsay through the trip that I had in Houston. But I think that's that's one of the things that really drew me to you, and I think why we connected was because I saw that bravery in terms of really going after all of these different things and not being afraid to stay in one box or stay in one track or one path and and being really passionate about all these wonderful areas that interested you and going for them. And that's, to me, that's just so refreshing because I don't really see that often.
0: Thank you. And I feel like, you know, likewise, I think we sit right across from each other at the dinner and I was like, oh, I love her. I was like listening to all the things and I felt like you were brave. I remember someone asked Something about it—it was an icebreaker because I had gotten there kind of late after changing my clothes, and you like stood up. and You're like, "I'm going to be the like the first person to go." And I was like, "Oh, I like okay, I like her." You know who's that? So you know, I definitely—I know it's definitely you know equally inspired. And I think too, I don't know, I, I can't necessarily say exactly where it comes from, but I do know that it was the community that supported me in those things. I think having that at a young age really helped. Um, but I think too, even if you don't have those things, like. It's okay if you don't have that support, because I still think everyone here has a purpose, and you know maybe that purpose is not one thing. Maybe you have a purpose with an umbrella and tons of things under it, and that's okay, you know. Or maybe you have one purpose that manifests itself differently in um, different avenues, and I just want to encourage people like to go after that, you know, to have the confidence. to do those things, especially if you're really being called to do them.
1: And I think this is a conversation that needs to happen a lot more often because I I feel like when we start talking about purpose, there's a lot of misconceptions I feel around that because it's almost like we're expecting one day we're walking down the road and lightning strikes and it's like, oh, this is my purpose. Now you know what you're supposed to do. Where in reality, it it doesn't really work like that. It's more about trying all these different things, pursuing all these different avenues, seeing what sticks, seeing what resonates with you, what doesn't resonate. It's a lot of exploration, I would say. And from that, you weave together a tapestry of purpose for your life. Definitely.
0: You want to, ex- it's okay to try things. Like, try them in college try them if you don't go to college if you can really give yourself the space to to try things and and be open to that and and give yourself grace with something new because i think sometimes we're afraid to try new things because we don't think we're going to be good at it or like how are people going to receive us but like really you owe that to yourself and i think reflecting on what you do and don't like like how did you how did that make you feel how do you want to feel when you do things what do you want your life to look like like giving yourself that that time to reflect and to think, to process, I think is really helpful. And then also finding what's authentic to you, because I think sometimes we'll do things that don't even feel good to us and don't allow us to be who we really are. You know, give yourself time to figure out who you are, who you want to be and what is authentic to those things, what's in line with those things. And if it isn't, you don't necessarily have to do it. You know, hopefully you don't. But if you don't necessarily have to do it, then why do it?
1: I see how the 3 a.m. rising Lindsay uh, is really wise and putting all these questions out there and having time to ponder on all these wonderful questions. But it's so true. One of the things that I think about often is that we're so busy in the routines of our lives, right? Our lives, they seem to be just speeding up. The to-do list is always so long and there's always something urgent that we need to take care of. In this business of it all, we often don't stop and don't create that space to ask ourselves those questions. And I feel like that's probably the most important thing you, you need to do in your life is, is keep asking yourself those questions and making sure that you're still aligned to the answers to those questions, right?
0: Oh my gosh, I think that's so important. And that goes back to the list making. The, the writing out of things, the, the journaling I think those things help you put things into perspective. They help you process it. I do that pretty often, actually. I go back and I say, hmm, is this something I really want to do? Or do I feel like pressure to apply for this opportunity? Or is this something that is in line with where I'm going? Is this pressing now in the moment? Is it something I can do later? You know, I actually do that probably several times a week. So I'm always reflecting and thinking of things. And I think also... I think a lot of people that are probably listening to this like to travel. I'm not traveling just for the sake of traveling. You know, like I love to explore, but also it it helps me to clear my head and like figure out what's important for me. You know, being in a new environment, it helps me to be very reflective. You know, and I put things into lots of different perspectives that I may not be able to do if I'm at home in the midst of all the things, like all the things you mentioned, like the busyness and the keep going, the to-do list and all those things. So... I think for me, the journaling, the stopping, the pausing, the traveling, whatever it is for you, please find that and and, and do that regularly.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I love that you brought up travel because for me, that's exactly the power of travel as well. It's really about going inside yourself in this new environment and there's some magic that happens when you're in that new environment and you have that space uh, and time to reflect in your house when you have a bookshelf and all the books are kind of in a disarray and you're like putting them in order in my mind there's like this mental shelf and i'm putting things in order and defining some things and yeah it's really uh really important So you went to college and you had all these majors and then you got two master's degrees, which is so incredible. How did you go about unfolding that vision of yourself which I would say today you live out that vision, right? You are an incredible dancer, an educator, a tour company owner. You, you do so many amazing things. So walk us through that path, right? That's, you know, after school, after your master's degree, how did uh, that unfold?
0: Yeah, and, and I want to also add, sometimes people are going to look at you crazy and you have to be okay with that. You know, like, and if those people that look at you crazy are in your close circle, Maybe consider removing them or changing your circle, because I think a lot of times we allow those people too much access. You know, if you need to, like, keep your ideas to yourself for a little bit or, you know, if you need to, like, change your environment. I mean, I had to do that several times. People who thought I was doing too much. Oh, you're doing too much or you just need to focus. I mean, I had people tell me that and I'm like, no, you need to mind your own business, <laughs> you know, and, and being bold enough to make those decisions. Doing the things you need to do for yourself, for you, because honestly, I always like to say when you stifle who you are and the thing and your potential. I think so many of us have so much potential that we haven't even tapped into because we've never even tried it. Oh, you know what I mean? We never even we just wouldn't even try it, so we don't even know that we have the potential. And then we have so many things that we could potentially do, and we don't even tap into those things because of what other people say. Like you're not only impacting yourself, you're impacting the people that you could potentially move by doing those things.
1: Lindsay, that's why I love you. Seriously, like all these things that you're saying, oh my gosh, I have goosebumps right now. Oh
0: man, it's, it's, it's real. It's like, you know, whew, yeah, but no, definitely. <laughs> uh, back to the question. I'm, I'm thinking too, so I'm like in it with you too. After college, I went through the same, after grad school, the same process. Okay, what do I want to do? Like I did, I got these two degrees. Now what, what do I wanna explore? So I started exploring things within those fields. I couldn't even find like a job in a lot of areas because of the I guess the fields that I chose. And I was like, oh, you know what? I wanna be a professor. I wanna be a professor. I have a master's degree. I'm gonna apply for a job as a professor. And I did, and I got it, you know? And I and I fell in love with it, you know, and I started teaching younger children too, and I was like, hmm. You know, I want to teach them, but in a different way. I don't I don't like the way that our, our school systems are teaching history. And I don't feel like it's helpful to Black children and other people of color. And I was like, I'm going to solve this problem. Because why should they have to endure a racist type of educational system, especially when it comes to things that will actually impact them positively? So I was like, I'm going to create my nonprofit. And they're going to learn these things. You know, so I was literally thinking... Not just about passions, but like about solutions and ways that I could help my community. How could I solve the issues that I saw pressing? And that goes back to like how I grew up and seeing the things that I saw in my neighborhood, good and bad. And then also having that degree in policy, you know, helps you create things that you want to see. You know, I remember one of my mentors would always say like, There's no Superman that's going to save us, you know, like there is no saving really that we even need. It's just we have to do the things that we need for our communities. And that's what I was like, let's just do it. I'm going to teach, teach at the college level. We're going to create the nonprofit to teach the little kids the truth and empower them. And I really built these things out when I was in grad school. And actually, when I was in grad school, something that was very uh, impactful for me was more study abroad like I did in college, but also working. At Project Raw Houses where I met you, believe it or not, I'm sure as a young child I thought I was creative. But like somehow they got stifled going through the school system here. But I remember I was actually a dance, you know, minor in college and I was in a choreography class and I remember like I can't choreograph. I remember like feeling like I couldn't choreograph and now I'm a whole choreographer, but like I remember feeling like my own creativity in creating things was Stifled like it, like I wasn't creative at all, which is crazy now to think about it. And Project Row Houses put it back in my face. Now you're an artist. You know, being in that environment amongst other people who were creating and and doing things and and um, making art and really living in this way that I'm describing now, being immersed in that, that really was transformative for me. Like in so many ways, you know. And so I think the fact that I put myself around certain types of people. Not that I was trying to like purposely like oh I'm gonna be in this environment because it's cool like I was just in that environment and I really got a lot from it and all of those things helped me figure out wow like I'm a whole choreographer like I've been a choreographer since I was a little girl we used to make up dances at home like that was a part of our culture but I was I was made to believe that I wasn't one you know that I wasn't creative and I and I couldn't create this non- nonprofit and I and I said I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna do it.
1: So there's so many nuggets that you said right now that I just want to pull out a little bit and put attention to because it's just so important. First of all, what you said about surrounding yourself with the people who will help you live out that potential, right? I cannot overestimate how important that is that you are surrounded by people who lift you up on that journey and not try to put you down. because. It's possible to do it when you're surrounded by people who will put you down, but oh my gosh, it's just so much more difficult because we do need that support, you know, as, as people, as human beings. And I think what you said really resonated with me, which was that... If you are finding yourself surrounded by people who are telling you that you cannot do it, you cannot do some of those things, then change your environment, right? You can maybe stop sharing as much with them or limit your access, like you said, which I I loved how you put it. Be more mindful with curating your environment in a way that supports you and supports your vision. I think that's really important. The other thing too is that really that need to put people in boxes, right? We talked about this before we started recording, but it's like, who are you? Are you a writer? Are you a dancer? Are you an educator? Are you an entrepreneur? People have this urge to define you with one word, right? Or with a very neat phrase. And I just find it so interesting that we have this need because why, right? We're human beings. And some of us, uh, like you, Lindsay, are brave enough to pursue all these different things and build them out and have uh, this amazing journey. So why the need to put us in boxes?
0: That's so real. I remember when I was actually starting my first businesses and I was trying to figure out how to like convey my message and you know how people were gonna receive it and I would you know get feedback from my friends. I was like, I'm gonna stop worrying about it. Because that's not my job to make you understand what I'm doing. Because it's not about me make it's not that's not what it's about. It's about what makes me happy and the things that I'm doing to help other people in my community. I don't have to explain that to you. I don't have to make you get it. And once I stopped like when I started letting that go. It was funny because so many people would come up to me and be like, oh, I love how all this connects. Like they would see it because my purpose was radiating through it. I didn't even have to explain it. So it's like no point in trying to explain it to people who don't get it. And I tell people all the time, I was like, I do a lot, you know, but if you have a time to listen, we can't. don't worry. Like I don't have to explain those things to you. And once you realize that, because I think sometimes when we think that we need to explain, it's almost like we think we need that validation. And then once you stop wanting that validation, you can really just leave, live so freely. <laughs> like uh, It doesn't matter. Like People can be so many things.
1: I think it's, it's also scary for a lot of people to venture out and really put so much into these projects and pursuits that are driven by our passion. I, I feel like that's still a very scary thing to do for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I think it is scary. It can be really scary. I can't speak for everybody, but I want to give this example. A lot of us are worried about finances and, you know, that's a, a valid concern because it's about our survival. But I've actually found that by me just being myself, the money comes to me. Like, And I'm not saying this to brag or anything, but I found that by me doing what I'm supposed to do and putting that energy into the world, into the universe, that energy is reciprocated back to me. So I haven't even had to struggle for the most part. I've had some challenges, but in the long term, the things that I've been doing for years and and following my purpose, it has paid off, like metaphorically and in real life. And I'm not rich, right? But I haven't had to stress and worry either. And that was something I was really nervous about because I know when I started my nonprofit, I was also trying to start, you know, work on these other businesses. And I remember I was talking to a coach and she was like, you need to focus on what's going to bring you money first. She had the best intentions, but I'm so glad I didn't do that because something about just following what's right for the moment, like really listening to yourself and your good and being authentic to what you should be doing in that time, you won't have to really worry. And I know that's like a scary thing to say and like people are like, oh, but what about this and that? But honestly, that's been my personal experience. Things just come your way because of the the energy you put out. And if you're a spiritual person, you understand that it's it's like a reciprocal thing with the universe. And so I think you will be fine if you really fully put yourself into your purpose. And if you have to go get like, you know, a part-time job, like I had to do that a couple of times. Like I would, you know, teach part-time or, you know, take up tutoring gigs. I would do what I needed to do in the meantime, but I put most of my energy into my passions and my purpose and it has paid off. It really has. So
1: I think letting that fear go, you're going to be fine. I love that you brought this up because it's so true. It's almost like we, we need to have trust, right, into the universe and into our pursuits working out and you can describe it in so many different ways right and you can talk about it in terms of energy flowing you can talk about it in terms of spirituality and even if you want to get scientific with it in terms of neuroscience i've I've been reading some books on how our brains work and really it's, it's about our expectations about what can happen. If you start something and your unconscious expectation is that it's not going to work out, that the money is not going to come, that it's not going to be able to support you. Well, this is what you're almost like you're programming yourself for that future to unfold. And if you're expecting that, if you have this trust and you have this expectation that it's going to work out, then that's what you're programming. And that's what's unfolding in your reality. I'm really fascinated with this subject and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. And it is scary, right? It is scary. So I guess the question is, and I think that's something that our listeners would really be curious about too, is how do you develop that trust in, let's say, the universe or in that belief that things are going to work out? If you feel like you don't have that trust at the moment, how do you develop that? Ooh, that's a great
0: question. I can speak for myself. I'm very spiritual, you know, and I think... I've always had the faith. I've always had faith in God and like knowing things would happen, but it's, it's gotten better and better. So I think it's it's also not, I don't want to call it a skill, but I think it's something that builds and builds. So like I used to deal with wondering, Oh, is this all going to work out? And then when you see that it works out, you're like, wait, okay, it worked out this time. It all worked out this time and this time. So why wouldn't it work out this time? Cause I used to be the person that would be like, Oh, but what if this is the one time it doesn't work out? But you realize that things do work out when you're doing what you're supposed to do. I mean, you may have, like I said, challenges along the way, but I do think many things work out for the best. And I think when you put that faith in whatever it is that you believe in, but also I think when you manifest the things that you want to see, it's almost like it can't go awry. I firmly believe in the power of speaking something, like speaking things into existence. Like the fact that I was writing all these things down five years ago, and oh, wow, like... Even a few weeks ago, I came across, I think 2017, when I was doing a lot of traveling throughout South America, and I was planning out my Kumba show. And then I just had my second one this past year and saying, I'm going to have a sold out show. My show sold out the very first year. And just saying it, I think trusting it, I think seeing that it happened the last time and it can and will happen the next time. And then also thinking, okay, if it doesn't work out, then it's okay. You can always try again. I think also knowing that if it doesn't, work out to what you think it may work out. It's not the end of the world. And also maybe that means you were supposed to be doing something a little differently. And there's a shift, but not a failure. There's like a pivot to something that's probably even more directly on track of what you should be doing.
1: Oh, I love that. I think we have such an obsession in America with this culture of success and succeeding no matter what, in the sense that there is no room for failure. And that stops us from pursuing so many things because we're just so afraid of that failure. But actually, if you can learn how to not be afraid of failure, then you can really do anything in life. And is it even
0: failure? Is it even? I'm not even sure I believe in it. I'm not even sure I believe in it because I think there have been grants I've applied to and I didn't get them. Does that mean that I failed? You know, maybe that person didn't recognize my vision, but I can take that to somewhere else. I can take it somewhere else and bring it somewhere else or do it on my own. Like it doesn't make us failing. I think we're really unfailing as people.
1: That's the thing though. Cause I think that's how we traditionally define failure, right? I didn't get that grant or I pitched this one story and it didn't get accepted. I got a rejection. Oh, it's a failure. But exactly to your point, is it a failure? It's not, right? It's, it's all about how we define it. And so let's, let's start redefining, because I love how you said it, that as human beings, we can never really fail. I mean, we can keep trying. You can keep shifting and pivoting and, and rethinking what you said about if you need to go get that part-time job or to go get that support from somewhere else, that's absolutely okay. And I love that so much because I feel like there's this, stigma is not the right word, but it's like, oh, well, if you have to go do a part-time jobs here to support yourself while you're building this this other stuff, then you're not really success. Again, like we come back to that s- definition of success and failure. And for me, that's Absolutely not the case, right? I, I think that I can support myself with whatever while I'm building my dream vision, and there's absolutely no shame in that. like absolutely, you know, so I think that's uh, that's important to note as well. So let's talk a little bit about the challenges on this path, too, right? Because as as much as perhaps we are sounding inspiring and uplifting right now, this is also a difficult path in a lot of ways. And we, both you and I did not choose an easy path. So let's, let's talk about some of those challenges.
0: When you say challenges, the first thing that comes to mind, it goes back to our earlier discussion about time management is not overdoing it. I think it's really easy when you love something and there's so many opportunities and so many things that you can really overextend yourself. And as ooh, my mom, I can hear her in the background now, just oh, don't overextend yourself. Like she would always tell me that. And I, I honestly didn't learn the lesson of not overextending myself until 2018. So it's been about three years, but she had been telling me this for a long time. She's like, okay, you go going, you go going, you're going, you're going, but you have, you have to rest. You have to rest. You have to rest. And I'd be like, okay, I sleep every day, right? And it wasn't until I had a huge performance. I was like an artist in residence and we had our like our community shows like before the big show. And I couldn't perform because I ended up having to go to the ER. I was in excruciating pain. And I was like, oh my God, like all these dancers are depending on me. And like, I've been preparing for this for over a year and I can't do this big show. Granted, it was like the biggest of the shows. It was like the one leading up to the big show, but it was still important. And that really hurt me. And I remember being like, that's what she meant all these times. Rest. Don't overextend yourself. Take a break. I think that is a challenge because, like I said, when you love what you're doing or when you just want to build on the momentum, you can just keep going. That really can be severe. It can really be severe for your health. And if you don't have what you need to be healthy, you can't do all those things. And so I would definitely tell people to rest. So, like, for me, I was telling my mom and all these other people who would tell me that, like my dad, oh, I do. I sleep every night. And I, like I said, I've always gotten my sleep. I used to get eight hours then. But I wasn't resting. There's a difference. And my friend, one of my friends, Stacy, she actually is the one who, along with a couple other ladies, we did the installation together at Project Houses. She was like, no, you have to rest. And I'm like, I know my mom has been saying that for years, but it didn't really click until after I left the ER. I'm like, okay, I get it now. I can't just sleep. I actually have to take a break and rest every day. And so now I try to take at least a nap a day. Sometimes I don't get a nap every day, but I usually take naps on a regular basis or just take a break, just like relax for a moment, walk around, do that, and don't say yes to more than you can take on. I think when you learn time management, you get better and better at it, it's good because you can do more and more things. You can multitask and still do them really well. But also, just knowing your limits and knowing like how to prioritize and also to say no and to change dates or to say not this year, but next year, you know, doing these things to not overdo it and to allow your body the time to rejuvenate and to keep going.
1: Yes, and and to guard your creative force almost, right? To guard that that power and that that space that you need. And 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 really I think it's about understanding that You can't create from a place of stress, from the place of overextending. And it's almost like honoring your relationship with your creativity and with all these different projects and passions that you have by saying, I'm going to take care of myself so I can keep doing this work.
0: That was so hard for me to get. Like, it literally took me going to the ER. And when I tell you I was in excruciating pain, it was uh, hard to even, it's hard to even imagine now. And I was, like, in the, uh, in the lobby, like, laid out on the floor. That's how much pain. And it could have really been prevented. It was definitely something that I could have prevented just literally by resting, drinking water, doing, like, basic things for my body that I was, you know, not thinking I needed. I, and now that I rest and do these things and I do yoga and all these things, it's, I can do more now. Not that I'm just going to, like, do all the things, but I feel more and I feel I don't feel tired I feel free to explore and to think and to reflect. I have all this extra space that's not being occupied because just because I actually took the time. It's always interesting. It's like I I have more time because I took the time. You
1: know what I mean? When you're trying to fit so much in, you never have any time. (laughs) You always run out of time. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Everybody
0: knows like I even another thing you could do is set boundaries so everybody knows if you text me after a certain time, you're going to get a text message back to you, an automatic message that says, please don't text me at this hour, self-care, et cetera, et cetera. Like setting up boundaries. And one of my other good friends, Felicia, she helped me with that, too. She also did the installation with us. And she helped me with setting these boundaries of the saying no and being OK with it. And and literally setting your limit, saying, look, you can't text me at 10 o'clock at night because I'm in bed because I wake up at 3 you know, um, I'll get back to you tomorrow. Send me an email, like that type of thing. And being okay with that because you deserve to do what's right for your body and for your spirit and for your creativity.
1: I love that so much. Yeah. it's uh, I, To me, it's again about that honoring that relationship that you have with your creativity by doing those things. What I'd like to kind of close our discussion today is tell me what are you working on right now that is bringing you joy in this year 2021 in this difficult time for us in so many different levels what's what are you working on that's currently bringing you joy
0: Oh, so many things. Um, one thing I've been working on is loving my body. I've you know, been through a lot of traumatic things in my life. I don't necessarily always talk about them, but I am a survivor of sexual assault and domestic violence. And so one thing, and that's a whole other conversation, but is loving my body and being connected to it and enjoying looking at myself and like really doing the work to make sure I'm appreciating the body that, that I'm in and um, that's been something that's given me so much joy, and I've had so many transformations about about that um, in my life. It's really helped me a lot. Another thing is, like I said, spending time with family, friends, just the stuff that maybe I took for granted in the past. You know, especially since there's been so much death. There's been so many deaths. Um, you know, and losing people, and recognizing like the importance of embracing these moments now, and like really being present really noticing the things around me. That's been really a joy. Also, I launched my podcast. I'm really excited about it. It was something I thought about for a long time. And I was like, oh, I don't even know what to do. Like Sometimes we try to talk ourselves out of things. But if you keep getting that, like, that push and it's coming from your consciousness and you keep having dreams about it, just do it. Cause it's gonna keep bugging you until you do it, and it's for a reason, you know. Like that message or whatever you're doing needs to be out there for the world to to do something for somebody else. It's beyond you, and so I finally decided to do it. It's called the Podcast, and we put out three episodes um, last year, and then we're back to recording um, this month. So I'm excited about that. And there's so many amazing projects I'm working on as far as artwork. I'm doing a few residencies here in Houston. I've been working on my nonprofit, the reeducation education Project, my dance company, Dance Africana. Um, we just finished a beautiful piece, which actually is going to be coming out this month for Black History Month, around a man named Richard Brock, who was a formerly enslaved African here in Houston, who you know bought his freedom and built all these institutions for people who were emancipated. And we put a whole piece together around his history. And that was just such a beautiful thing. I don't think I do anything that doesn't really bring me joy, except maybe pay bills. <laughs> but I try to like make that the norm. I think that the other things are like should be the exception. So more of the things that bring us joy and less of the things that don't. Yeah, that's been my focus. You know, talking to you is a joy. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad we were. Fi- I've been wanting to do this for a long time with you, so I'm glad we were finally able to coordinate it. And I'm excited for this. There's just a lot of things to be thankful for and it's it's promising. This year is promising and strange, but it's promising.
1: It's so good to hear that. And for our listeners, we are going to link to all of the amazing projects that Lindsay does on our website. So be sure to check it out and be sure to check out her podcast, Gumbo. And... We didn't even get to talk about Project Row Houses yeah. at, at length, but we're, we're going to link to it as well. And it's an amazing community project and, and platform that is just so awesome. So check it out as well. We're going to link to it in our show notes as well. And what I would like to close with is a bit of a big question, but tell me how would you start thinking about it? What does it mean to be a woman who is stepping into her brilliance today? Hmm. That made me tear up
0: just hearing that question. I think it means a lot. I think we are brilliant and we have to know it and we have to live that and not be afraid of doing it and not allow anybody to block that brilliance. I think there are so many people who limit us based on their own limitations and what they feel like, not even necessarily their own limitations, but their perceived limitations and what they think that they can and can't do. And they project those things onto you and we can literally do anything. We could bring life into this world, right? If you can bring life into this world, you can do anything, you know? And I think you just, and not to say that you have to do those things, but just thinking about the capacity of the things that we can do, we can literally do anything. And I think it's important to know that and to really step into that. Um, one thing that's been sitting with me over the last few months in terms of my personal growth and experiences was this quote by Maya Angelou. And I can't remember it verbatim, but the quote says that um, when you enter a room, who enters with you? That's been sticking with me. When I enter a room, what ancestors step in with me? What community members step in with me? Who, which family members step in with me? Which women step in with me? Like, Who am I doing this for? Or how am I helping other people? And how am I helping myself? how am I stepping into the space? And so I think that's a good thing for us to remember and in tapping into our brilliance is we're not really doing
1: it alone. Oh, I love it. I love it, Lindsay. It's so inspiring. It's even uh, causing me to think differently about how I want to show up in the world and in all these different rooms. I love it. It's such a beautiful thought to close with. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing an hour of your day with us today. I hope you found this episode useful. And if so, please consider subscribing to our show so you never miss an episode. If you're a new listener, thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources, links, and show notes over at GeniusWomen.com. That's women with an X. So if there was something you wanted to check out, you can always find it over at GeniusWomen.com. That's women spelled as W-O-M-X-N. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to share a piece of our content. That helps us out so much. Share our content, subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, and if you feel like it, leave us a podcast review. It helps us grow and spread our message, so that's really the best way you can support us. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for an episode in which we'll dig into the differences between stories and content.